Okay, let's take our Bibles tonight, please. I want to ask you to turn tonight to Psalm 79. Psalm 79. Uh, I'll be honest with you tonight, as, as I try to be, Brother Richard, I don't know that I've ever preached or taught Psalm 79 before. Uh, but Lord willing, we're, we're going to do that tonight. Psalm 79 uh, is a psalm that, that fits very well today uh, in the context of that which we saw in both the 10 o'clock and uh, the 11 o'clock hour. If you were able to be here this morning, uh, you'll recall that uh, we looked at Isaiah uh, 33, which is a prophecy of the Lord using an enemy of his people, Assyria, it would appear, to uh, come and uh, exert a degree of correction, uh, well, what the Lord intended to be correction upon the people of Judah, uh, the Lord's chastening of Judah. And then in response to their turning to the Lord, uh, Brother Ray, I think we could say turning from their sin to the Lord, the repentance is implied, uh, the Lord prevented those enemy attackers from completely overwhelming Jerusalem uh, and, and gave them a degree of, of relief uh, from that, that chastening. Now, tonight we see something uh, similar. It, it is a little bit different. Uh, what we find tonight uh, is a prayer uh, of the psalmist Psalmist is identified as, as Asaph, and there's a number of men in Scripture who uh, have that name. Uh, but this is uh, an Asaph of Scripture. And uh, what we see here tonight is that he begins by uh, crying out to the Lord this lament uh, regarding uh, another enemy attack upon Jerusalem. I, I think it's different than what we saw today because what... Well, what transpires, what the Lord permits in this context seems to be uh, far more severe than what we saw prophesied with, with the Assyrian attack, uh, what, what was carried out or what was prophesied to be carried out in Isaiah 33. I think it's probably more likely that this is uh, an allusion to uh, the Babylonian captivity or the beginning of the Babylonian captivity uh, and so what we see here tonight is the uh, psalmist crying out regarding some uh, great attack upon Jerusalem in which the, the city is overwhelmed. Uh, and he's, he's just bringing it to the Lord. He's, he's bringing all of the really honestly uh, gruesome details uh, of this attack to the Lord. And then uh, he, he pivots a little bit from simply describing the situation, uh, he pivots and he begins interceding for the people. Uh, he begins to pray, Lord, uh, would, would you withdraw this chastening or, or a degree of this? Would you, uh, he begins to intercede for his people. Uh, and at the same time, Brother Art, he, he anticipates the Lord's answer, uh, whatever it is. Can't be sure what the Lord's answer will be, but in anticipation of the Lord's answer, he just determines in his heart that he's going to thank the Lord uh, for that answer. He's going to worship the Lord. He's going to thank the Lord. Uh, there's going to be, he determines that there's going to be a gratitude, uh, a praise for the Lord's answer, uh, whatever it is. Now, that, that last part, that last idea goes back to uh, a notion, an idea that we looked at in the 11 o'clock hour today. There in 
uh, James chapter 5 and verse 13, we, we kind of majored this morning on that verse. Is any among you afflicted? Let him what, church? Pray. Let, let him pray. Uh, is any among, is any merry? Let, let him sing psalms. Now, Lord, there could be alluding to just different times uh, that, are, that happen in our lives that have, no, that, let me try again, that don't necessarily uh, have any connection. But we, we considered the idea this morning that uh, there in that verse, there, there might be sort of a progression uh, as well, a continuum from being afflicted and, and being distressed about that potentially, uh, and then praying, uh, and then uh, knowing, uh, receiving the Lord's answer, which certainly could be uh, one that would turn your heart from distress to being merry, uh, and then not forgetting uh, to go back to the Lord uh, with a heart filled with praise, with a heart filled with gratitude, uh, singing psalms to him, worshiping him, praising him, not forgetting to thank him for uh, intervening in your situation just exactly uh, as you asked him to and just exactly as he promises to. And so um, we see that sort of possible uh, understanding of, of James 5.13 uh, in, in this um, psalm as well. There's a distressing situation that's painted out here. There's a man who begins to pray about that. Uh, and there's a man who anticipates God's answer being the, the right answer, the answer of God, uh, in determining ahead of time to be thankful, to be grateful, to praise and thank God for that. That's a wonderful example, uh, a wonderful pattern that I'd, I'd like us to you know, just consider to be mindful of, to learn this tonight, uh, and say, Lord, before we're done here tonight, help us get a hold of this. Help us to uh, remember not just to bring our prayer request to you, but to determine ahead of time that, that we're going to come back uh, with, in response to your answer with a heart filled with gratitude and thank you and praise you uh, and worship you for the answer. Uh, Psalm 79. Psalm 79. Hopefully I said that's where we are tonight. Psalm 79. Uh, I believe I did. Psalm 79. Uh, we see here tonight, we'll begin in verse 1. We'll take a moment and pray. We'll jump right in here. Father, we do thank you, uh, Lord, tonight for your words. Uh, Lord, for each of them. Thank you for giving them. Thank you for uh, preserving them. Lord, thank you, um, Lord, that we can uh, see commonalities as we move from book to book, from passage to passage, uh, common themes that you have woven together. Uh, Lord, that uh, commonality, the interconnectedness of Scripture. Uh, Father, I, I love tonight, I thank you, Lord, tonight, how it, it so wonderfully points to uh, a single source, uh, a common source. And of course, Lord, that is you. That's the Spirit of God working um, through the, the pens of different men to, to bring forth your words, to give your words. Lord, thank you tonight. Thank you tonight for the... Uh, agreement of scripture. Oh, Lord, I pray tonight as we look into this passage that you'd show us just exactly what you want us to see, that you would work in our hearts just exactly as you desire. And Lord, that we'd respond to you tonight 
just exactly as you desire. We pray, Father, this all would please you. Lord, help me now. I need that. I ask you for it, Lord, and just ask you to work here now tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Psalm 79, verse 1, the Bible says a psalm of Asaph, uh, a psalm of Asaph. He writes, O God, uh, so he's speaking to the Lord already, the heathen uh, are come into thine inheritance, uh, into the land among your people. He says, thy holy temple, uh, the temple there in Jerusalem, uh, have they defiled. He says, they have laid Jerusalem on heaps. There's only so many points in history that could uh, be the historical context for this passage. I want to ask you tonight to consider, as I've already suggested, this, this probably alludes to uh, the, the Babylonians coming in and, and, and conquering uh, Judah. Turn to 2 Chronicles 36, please. 2 Chronicles 36. Uh, let's just see uh, a, a small number of verses there tonight that... Uh, probably, al almost, almost certainly, is the uh, historical context for uh, this psalm tonight. In 2 Chronicles 36, uh, we find what, what is very definitely the beginning of the Babylonian captivity. Uh, the Lord is dealing with the people of Judah. He's, he's dealing with them for their sin. Uh, we see here, he'll say that, uh, well, if we began a little sooner, but the, the Lord has uh, reminded them that he sent his prophets to warn them. Uh, and of course he did. He sent Daniel. He sent Jeremiah. Uh, he sent Ezekiel. He sent his men uh, with his message to warn his people that they needed to repent of the great sin uh, that they had taken up, the sin of idolatry and all the things uh, that went along with it. Now look with me here, Second Chronicles 36 uh, verse 16 is the response of the people and then the Lord's response to their response. Uh, 2 Chronicles 36, 16, the Bible says, uh, but they mocked the messengers of God. They did not receive the warnings uh, that God has sent. You know this. Uh, instead, they despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath, the anger of the Lord at sin arose against his people uh, till there was no remedy, uh, no remedy, no, no room for anything other than the Lord uh, stepping in with, with a, a time of great correction, a time of very significant chastening. No, no remedy uh, for the people short of that. They've been warned by the prophets. They've rejected the prophets. They've rejected uh, the warning. And so we see in verse seven, uh, 17, therefore, uh, and, and very plainly, this is the events of, of 586 BC. Uh, he brought upon them the king uh, of the Chaldees uh, or, or the uh, Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who slew their young man, men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion uh, upon young men or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. Uh, he gave them all into his hand and all the vessels of the house of God, the temple, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to where? To Babylon, you know the history. Uh, we'll look at one more verse, 19. They burnt the house of God uh, and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt 
uh, all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. That was a time where the Lord initiated a great correction. Uh, he, he sent a great trial. Uh, many were killed. Uh, Jerusalem was uh, all but destroyed at this time. Those who weren't killed, as, as you know, were carried off uh, in the captivity of, of, of 586. Uh, it was a time of, of great correction. Brother Ray, was this the first way that God tried to correct his people? Did, did he begin with this degree of severity uh, in meeting out? The, no, he didn't. He sent them warnings. He sent man upon man with warning uh, upon warning. He gave them every opportunity to respond uh, to the mouth of the prophet, to the voice of God, to the message, uh, uh, to the warning of the Lord. They rejected that and only then did he allow this degree, this, this degree, this severity uh, of correction. Now, uh, I think as we, as we go a little bit further into the Psalm here, it becomes pretty clear that that is the historical context in which the, the psalmist is writing here, that this is the, uh, the context on the Old Testament timeline uh, that, that, he's, uh, that we find the psalmist crying out to the Lord, first describing the situation, uh, secondly interceding uh, for the people, uh, and then, then committing himself to thank the Lord for, for the Lord's answer, uh, whatever it is. Look at verse 2. It's, it's pretty um, difficult language. It's, uh, it's harsh. Uh, it's not pretty. This is the unfortunate, sad consequence of a people who've dug in against the Lord, refusing to receive his words. Verse 2, the dead bodies, the psalmist is crying out to the Lord, this, this lament, describing the, uh, the situation, the dead bodies of thy servants, uh, have they given to be meat unto the fowls? Uh, who's they? Well, um, again, almost certainly the Babylonians uh, of heaven. The fowls, sorry, the flesh of thy saints uh, unto the beasts of the earth. Many have been killed uh, and left uh, in the open. Verse 3, their blood, blood of God's people, have they, uh, likely the Babylonians, shed like water round about Jerusalem, uh, and there was none to bury them. Uh, verse 4, he says, We are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn uh, and derision to them that are round about us. One man uh, writes on that language, the language of verse 4. He says, They were reproached, scorned, derided uh, as a people who appeared to be forsaken by God, uh, given up to their foes. They no longer commanded the admiration uh, of those around them as a prosperous, a faithful, a happy people. Surrounding nations treated them with contempt uh, as inspiring no fear, as having nothing uh, to entitle them to respect. Well, that's the idea. Uh, the, the, the psalmist, he laments, he bemoans, he prays, we are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn, uh, a derision to them that are round about us. Uh, may I ask you a question tonight? Are these a people who suffer great consequences for their sin? Church, you see that, right? There, there are people, people of Judah, they were warned and warned and warned by a God who, who loves them with the most perfect love. Uh, they were warned, turn from sin, turn from your idolatry, uh, put off your sin, all, all the things that we're seeing 
uh, addressed by the Lord as we've moved through the book of Isaiah and other places, uh, the other prophets. Uh, they're, they're warned you, uh, you're, you're living in great offense to the Lord. Your, your sin is greatly uh, offensive to me. Uh, put that off and put on obedience in its place lest you face the consequences uh, of sin. And, and sure enough, having rejected the warning, they're facing the great consequences uh, of their sin. Do you know Christ as your Savior tonight? Do you know Christ as your Savior tonight, church? Praise God if, if we do, because if we do, right, if we've repented of sin and, and, and humbly come to Christ, placing our faith in him for forgiveness, uh, we'll never know the consequence of hell no matter what. Say amen, please. You'll never know the consequence. You've been saved from that uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ, his perfect sacrifice. His blood has covered our sins. Uh, his sacrifice has been paid on to our account. Uh, his righteousness has been imputed to us. We've been made right in the eyes of God the Father. Brother Ray, are we practically right? Uh, I know we have that position, but practically we are still being sanctified by the Spirit of God. That, that, that's process, right? Salvation happens at a moment, at a point in time, but our sanctification is a process. There's still sin uh, in our lives. Is there still sin in your life, church? Is, is there some stuff still? Uh, no doubt there is. No doubt there's areas uh, where we're still struggling. We'll never experience the consequence of eternal punishment because of the eternal efficacy of the blood of Christ. Praise God for that. But we might still know some pretty severe consequences in our life because of sin that, that we've not yet been willing to deal with, sin that we've not been willing to confess, sin that we've not yet been willing to turn over to the Lord and say, sure enough, Lord, as you've convicted me, I'm guilty in this area. Uh, Lord, Lord, help me. Give me grace to confess the sin and, and, and to turn from it, to repent, to forsake it, to leave it behind. Lord, help me to look to you for grace to put off the sin and, and to put on obedience in its place, understanding that if I refuse the grace that is available from you to do that, uh, you may choose to chasten me. You may choose to correct me, uh, and that might be pretty harsh. That might be pretty difficult. I might experience a great trial uh, meted out by a great God uh, for my great correction. Is it a great thing when God corrects you? Church, is that a great thing? It's a wonderful thing, but it's not an easy thing. It's, it's not an easy thing. These people have been warned. They refused the warning, and now they're suffering consequences of refusing the warning. God, give us hearts to not refuse the, the, the correction, to not refuse the warning, uh, to not refuse the conviction uh, of the Spirit of God. Give us hearts, Lord, when, when there's conviction to be people who are quick to confess uh, and to seek you and, and your grace to put off the sin uh, and to put on obedience. We can. Gary, that's true, isn't it? We, we've, we can. We've, we've experienced that in our lives. We don't have the strength apart from the Lord. We don't have the strength apart from yielding to the Spirit of God and, and finding his power uh, to sanctify our lives. We can't do that, but as we yield uh, and invite and allow the Lord to do that, sure enough, he does. Uh, sure enough, he does. And that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful truth. That was available to the people in uh, this day. 
the day of the psalmist, <laughs> the day of uh, Psalm 79, that, that possibility was available. Up to this point, people have rejected that. They're, they're just dug in. Uh, they're dug into their sins. Well, psalmist begins to plead. Uh, he begins to intercede for the people. By the way, as a man who's praying and interceding uh, for God's people, that, that man becomes a picture of whom? He becomes a picture of Christ, amen. Uh, the great intercessor, the one who is interceding for his people today at the right hand of the Father. Uh, here the psalmist, very much picturing Christ who intercedes, who is interceding for us uh, there in the throne room of God, even this evening. Uh, he begins to intercede. Verse 5, he says, How long, Lord? How long can this go on for? Uh, how long will thou be angry? He says, Wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn uh, like fire? God is a jealous God. Uh, he, he was very jealous for his people. They're, they are his people. Uh, he made them. He brought them into the land that he provided. Uh, he provided everything for them. They've turned to idols. They've turned from him to some other false gods. Uh, sure enough, he's angry. There's a great wrath. He has a great wrath at sin. Uh, and, and he intends to he intends to address this. He intends to cause his people to see uh, the consequences of sin and, and to get right with him. Uh, he begins to pray, uh, or he continues to pray in verse six. He says, uh, "Lord, pour out thy wrath upon the heathen uh, that have not known thee." He says, "Lord, I." Uh, he he seems to be saying, "I, I understand that that these people are sinners." Uh, in that you've allowed a correction uh, to be carried. You're using these invaders to carry out correction. He says, Lord, would, would you now pour out that same wrath uh, upon those that you've used to, to mete out correction upon your people? This sounds very much like we saw this morning uh, in Isaiah 33, right? Uh, the Lord allowed the Assyrians to carry out a degree uh, of, of punishment upon Zion, upon Jerusalem. Uh, but then the Lord stopped it. He, he, he turned them back. He, uh, he turned his wrath from his people to those whom he allowed to chasten his people. The psalmist is praying something like that. Lord, pour out thy wrath, uh, not upon your people, but upon these heathen invaders uh, that have not known thee uh, and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. Uh, does the Lord have, is he a God of wrath? Is the Lord a God of wrath? Does he have a great wrath at sin? He has a great wrath at sin. The Bible says, you know, Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger uh, and plenteous in mercy. He's slow to anger, but he does, he does get angered at sin. Uh, he does have a great wrath uh, at sin. Get down a couple of cross-references, please. Write these down. Uh, Psalm 7 and verse 11. Psalm 7, 11. Bible says God judges the righteous. God is angry uh, with the wicked every day. Uh, he's, he has a great wrath at sin and at those who have refused the remedy for sin. What's the remedy for sin? What's the answer for sin? Uh, that's person, right? It's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
What's the remedy for sin in a believer's life? It's, it's prayer. It's humble confession. It's turning to the Lord. Lord, I, I agree. I confess. I know you've saved me. I know the sin is already forgiven. But I know my sin is also affecting my relationship, my walk with you. It's inviting correction into my life. Maybe there's correction in my life now. Uh, Lord, I know you have a great wrath at sin. I need to get right with you. Psalm 90 in verse 11 says, Who knoweth? Uh, the psalmist speaking to the Lord, the psalmist prays, Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Uh, even according to thy fear, so is uh, thy wrath. We have a powerful God. Brother Ray, he has a great wrath uh, at sin. And uh, his power combined with his wrath at sin, that's, that's something that could be a very dangerous thing for someone who would dig into sin and, and refuse uh, to repent. Lord, Lord, help us to understand you're a gracious and merciful God, but you're also a God who has a wrath at sin, and you're also a God who loves his people enough to correct his people when they need to be corrected. Uh, are you glad for that tonight? Are you glad for that tonight? Look at verse 7. The psalmist continues just describing the, the severity of the correction uh, that that Lord has poured out uh, in response to the sin of the people, in response to their rejection of his message, him calling them uh, to repentance. Verse 7, uh, regarding the enemies that God has used to uh, chasten his people, he says, for they've devoured Jacob. God, they've, they've devoured your people. That's poetic language, but you understand that. They, they have flooded in and, and killed many uh, of the Lord's people and laid waste uh, to his dwelling place. The people uh, and the place that God gave the people uh, have suffered the wrath of God at the hand uh, of these invaders. Again, almost certainly uh, the Babylonians whom God is using to correct and to call his people back to obedience to him. Psalmist continues to intercede uh, for the people. Again, a, a wonderful picture of Christ uh, as Christ is interceding for us today. Once you see here over the next several verses, and, and, and we, won't, we won't belabor this, but I want you to see how he appeals to the Lord. Uh, he's, he's crying out to the Lord. He's, he's interceding for the people. But in doing this, he appeals to who the Lord is, to what he's like, to uh, his attributes. And he makes uh, that the basis for his appeal to the Lord, for uh, the basis of his intercession. For example, in verse 8, he appeals to the Lord uh, who is merciful. Look at verse 8. He says to the Lord, oh, remember, he prays to the Lord, uh, oh, remember, not against us former iniquities, Lord, don't remember our sin. We're, we're coming to you now uh, looking for forgiveness. He says, let thy tender, what's the next word, church? Tender mercies speedily prevent us, come to us, come before us, uh, for we are brought very low. Uh, he's appealing to what he knows about the Lord to be the basis for his, uh, his appeal, uh, his intercession. Do you know tonight God to be mercy, merciful? <laughs> Do you know him to be a merciful God? He is a merciful God. Praise God for that tonight. 
He's a gracious God. Uh, he offers to us that which we do not deserve, uh, and he's a merciful God. He withholds uh, so often the, the correction that we do deserve. He is both gracious and merciful. He says, let thy tender mercies uh, come speedily uh, to this people, to this undeserving people, but a people who are, Lord, so dependent on you, your mercy, your tender mercies. Uh, also translated compassion, uh, also translated compassion. Uh, take down a couple cross-references here regarding God's mercy. Uh, Psalm 86 and, and verse 5 uh, just, just paints out the, 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 the plentifulness of God's mercy, the availability, uh, the plentifulness of his mercy. Psalm 86, 5. The psalmist says, For thou, Lord, art good. Is your God good? Is the Lord good? Amen. He's good. You're ready to forgive. Is he ready to forgive? Yes, he is. Psalm 86, 5. He says, God, you're plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Lord, you have a great reservoir, an unlimited uh, well of mercy that is available to all uh, who cry out to you. Everyone who cries out uh, for salvation uh, the first time. Uh, every, every believer who chooses sin over obedience, but who now comes uh, to the Lord seeking uh, forgiveness and, and restoration of our walk, our relationship that's been marred or affected by sin. You meet a God who is gracious uh, and who is merciful, who has a great well, an unlimited pool, an ocean of mercy available to us. Uh, and that, that is true eternally. That's eternally true. Uh, make, a, make a note of Psalm 103 and verse 17. Psalm 103, verse uh, 17. The psalmist says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. By the way, all that God is is from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, he does not change, amen? Uh, his grace, his mercy, his love, all, all that he is, uh, his, his power, uh, his omnipotence, uh, his omnipresence, uh, all his omniscience, everything that he is, is from everlasting to everlasting. Aren't you glad you don't have to worry tonight about the possibility uh, that God might be a God who changes? That he might not be the same God, Marilyn, who the psalmist was praying to uh, these hundreds of years ago in, in Psalm 79. No, it, that's just not the case. He's the same God. Uh, he was, he is, he will continue uh, to be who he is. Um, his his mercy is boundless. Uh, make a note, Psalm 108 and verse 4. For, the psalmist says, For thy mercy is great above the heavens, uh, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Uh, if the Lord is convicting you tonight of something that you need to get right, you come to him. You come to him and say, Lord, I, I confess. Lord, I, I come to you tonight as a God who is gracious. You're going to treat me better than I deserve, and a God who is merciful. Or if I'll just come to you, you're, you're a God who's going to withhold that correction that I deserve, that I am due. Lord, tonight I, I choose instead, rather than waiting for that, I choose instead just to come tonight and, and confess 
whatever it is you're convicting me of, whatever it is uh, to simply agree with you uh, and to yield to you, and Lord, to ask you for grace and the sense of strength to put off the sin and put on obedience in its place. Psalmist says, we are, end of verse eight, we are brought very low. Uh, the people had been greatly affected by the correction that God had meted out. Brought very low has the idea of being drained of strength, uh, like a plant that's, that, that has not received the, the water that it needs to, uh, to stand up strong, to stand up tall. It's drooping down, drained of strength, uh, drained of nutrients, drained of all that it needs. Uh, there are people, they recognize they've been greatly corrected by a great God. Uh, and so the psalmist is interceding for them. Uh, he appeals to the Lord as the God of their salvation, the one who can deliver them. Uh, verse 9, he prays, help us, O God of our salvation. Uh, he prays with a faith that the Lord is the one who could deliver them from the trial at hand. Listen, what's the temptation? Again, we, we saw this this morning. Temptation when uh, we're facing any kind of affliction, any kind of difficulty, uh, our temptation is to do like the world, to do whatever the world does to try to get out of that situation, to look to the world for an answer, to look to its solutions, its philosophies, its answers to the trials uh, that we face over and over and over again. We, we see in scripture, no, look to the Lord. <laughs> look to the Lord, look to his words for his answers. Look to him for grace to take up his answers and to apply them uh, practically. He is the God who delivers from trials. Help us, verse 9, O God of our salvation. Uh, see the heart of the psalmist here. He doesn't just want the people to be delivered from the trial of the Babylonian invasion uh, and the captivity that, that's quickly going to take place. He wants that for sure. He wants, he wants the people to be delivered from this consequence for sure. But his greater hope, his greater desire is that as the Lord delivers them, that the Lord would be glorified. He says, Lord, do this. You're, you're the one, you're the only one who can deliver your people. He says, Lord, do that, verse 9, for the glory of thy name. Deliver us, purge away our sins. Uh, not just for our sake, not just for our help, but Lord, for thy name's sake. Uh, Lord, Lord, give us a heart to look to you, to always look to you for that which is needed. Uh, and Lord, that, that we do that not just for what we need, but Lord, as, as you provide for us in response to our prayers, that people would see you at work, that they would glorify your name as the one who delivers uh, people from difficulties uh, for your name's sake. Uh, Brother Gary, I can easily pray for me. I can, I can easily rattle off my needs to the Lord. That's easy, that, that comes fairly naturally. Uh, Lord, help us to desire uh, that, uh, we pray for what we need, but more than that, we pray that as God answers our prayers, that he would be honored and glorified, not just by us, but others that see him answering prayers, that people would see him at work and that they would honor and glorify his name, him, uh, as a result uh, of what they see. 
Uh, he continues his appeal, verse 10, Wherefore should the heathen say, where's their God? He says, Lord, you, you, you answer, you, you deliver, uh, so that these heathen people who know that we talk about the Lord, we talk about our God, Jehovah, uh, Lord, you, you answer my prayer, please, so that these people can't say, hey, where's your God? Where, where's this Jehovah? Where's this Lord that you talk about so much? We don't see him doing anything. He says, Where, wherefore should the heathen say, where is their God? Uh, let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of thy servants, uh, which is shed. I want to ask you a question tonight. Think back through your Sunday school lessons. Uh, did the Lord allow uh, many of the people to be carried off to Babylon? Did he allow that? He did allow that. He did allow that. Um, did, did, he, did he author that correction? I believe he authored that correction. He's a powerful God who did that because he cared about his people. Uh, and he knew at this point, he always knew, but, but he knew that at this point, the only thing that would correct them would be something this severe. Um, did, he, did he ultimately in the captivity, through the captivity, cause many of his people to see their error, their spiritual error, and to repent? Is that the case? Some at least, right? Uh, and, and did he ultimately work sovereignly in history uh, to cause them to be brought back in the land that he gave? He did all of those things. He did all of those things. He corrected them. Uh, he, he, he worked sovereignly uh, in history to uh, encourage the ultimate repentance of, of at least some of the people. Uh, and he brought at least some of those back into the land. He's a great God. Uh, he's a great God. Praise him tonight for his greatness. Praise him tonight for loving and caring about his people enough to invest correction in our lives. Praise him for knowing what it takes to cause us to be corrected, to turn back to him, uh, to grow. Uh, verse 11, the psalmist uh, appeals to the Lord who has power uh, to do all of this, to, uh, to be a God who, who can bring correction uh, and who can cause his people uh, to return to him. Look at verse 11. He says, let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee. Lord, hear our prayers. Hear the prayers of those who have been carried off, prisoners, according to thy greatness. Let me try that again. He says, let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee. Lord, hear the prayers of your people who are going into this captivity. And he says this, according to the greatness of thy power, preserve thou. God, you do this. Preserve thou those that are appointed to die. He's praying to God as a God who is able to preserve any of the people or all of the people if he chooses. Brother A, he knows that God has the power to preserve every life if he chooses to do that. He did not choose to preserve every life. Uh, he allowed many to suffer the consequence of death for their sin. Uh, he allowed Jerusalem to be overrun uh, and many to suffer the, the, the consequence of, of death for their sin. He allowed others to survive 
to be carried off. Some would die, some would live uh, and return. Uh, he's great God. He has power uh, to do that. He's God which made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that therein is. He's God that keepeth truth forever. Psalm 146 uh, and verse 6. He's the God that spoke all things into existence out of nothing. He's a great God. Uh, he's a powerful God. Look at verse 12. He, he prays, render unto our neighbors sevenfold uh, into their bosom their reproach. God, you deal with our enemy wherewith they have reproached thee, O Lord. God, you deal with our enemies as the only God who has the power to accomplish that. Now, Look at verse 13. That's the last verse. We'll be done. Look at verse 13. He's interceded. He's prayed. Verse 13 says this. So we, this is his prayer. So we, thy people, and sheep of thy pasture, will do what, church? Will give thee thanks. For how long? What does it say? Forever we will show forth thy praise to all generations. Turn to Psalm, turn back to Psalm 18, please. Turn back to Psalm 18. Psalmist in our passage tonight, he's anticipating God's answer, whatever it is. He's prayed very specifically about that which he desires. But he's he's looking to the Lord and you can just see his heart, whatever, however God would answer. He's determining that there would be a gratitude and that there, there would be a gratitude which would bring forth praise from generation to generation as people reflect back on what God accomplishes in response to this prayer. It'll be taught and handed down from generation to generation. The people remember it and be moved by that to thank God, to praise him for being a God who corrects and who delivers a people who repent in response to correction. Psalm 18 is David's great psalm of praise for deliverance from an enemy. We can't say for sure who it is. It's almost certainly the Philistines. Uh, it's a long psalm, and I only want to look at several verses. Uh, look at verse 46, please. We'll look at several verses here. We'll be done. Psalm 18, 46, David's praise for deliverance, his thankfulness for deliverance from a trial, his thankfulness for deliverance from correction. Psalm 18 and verse 46 begins, the Lord liveth, amen, uh, and blessed be my rock, amen. Let the God of my salvation be exalted, amen. He continues in verse 47, it is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies. Amen. Yea, he prays to the Lord, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Amen. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Amen. Verse 49, he continues, therefore, church, read the next several words with me. Will I, what are the next two words? Give thanks. Therefore, Lord, will I give thanks? I'm thank you, God. I'm not going to forget what I've prayed and 
what I asked you for. You've delivered me. I'm going to remember to come back and thank you. And now he is. He's not just saying, I will do that, God. He's not just determining ahead of time. He's, he's being faithful to that which he had determined previously. He's coming back and saying, therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Verse 15, we'll stop here. He says, great, he prays, great deliverance giveth he to his king. David has been delivered. And showeth, what's the next word, the M word? Mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. Um, what a wonderful example of remembering to go back and thank the Lord. Uh, after the response to prayer has been received. As we said this morning, as I've said tonight, we pray so easily for that which we need. Lord, I need your help. God, I have this trial, this struggle, this difficulty, this physical challenge, this emotional challenge, this financial challenge, whatever it is, pray, pray, pray. And as God answers, Thank him, thank him, thank him. Lord, teach us to be grateful. Lord, teach us to praise you and worship you with hearts filled with gratitude in response to your deliverance. Lord, give us hearts filled with gratitude for your promises. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us in the midst of trials. You promise us that your grace, your strength, is sufficient. What does sufficient mean? It means all that we need. It's enough. It's enough. Lord, thank you that that proves true each and every time. There may be some trial in our lives tonight that is because of sin in our lives. Not every trial is because of sin. We said that this morning, we'll keep saying that. But there may be some trial in our lives tonight that is because of sin. That was the case at times in David's life. That most certainly is the case in Psalm 79, and many of the other Psalms as well. Maybe tonight the Lord is, is just convicting you. Yep, sure enough, there's, there's some difficulty in your life because I've been convicting you of sin or I've convicted you in the past and you just, you dug in. You refused my correction. You refused my conviction. Maybe tonight you want to say, Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to refuse your correction, your conviction. Whatever it is that you're convicting me about tonight, Lord, I, I'm going to just take a moment and agree with you. I'm going to confess. I'm going to agree. That's sin. I agree. And, Lord, I'm just going to, I'm going to turn over to you and ask you for grace, for strength to get right in that area. I can't do it myself, but I can do it with your help, with your grace, your strength. Maybe there's a trial in your life tonight and you're not sure exactly what it's about. Maybe it's one of those situations where you're just not sure. There's a trial and, and you're not sure what 
exactly the cause is. We know from James that the Lord is working in all of our trials to grow us. Sometimes that involves correction. Sometimes it's learning to trust him. Sometimes it's strengthening our faith, our reliance upon him. Sometimes it's, I was going to say just that, but that's not a small thing. That, that's a great thing. That, that's a big thing. Maybe tonight there's a trial you're not sure. Say, Lord, search my heart. Show me if there's some sin I need to confess. Lord, if there's not, if you don't convict me tonight, I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to thank you for the trial because no matter what, I know that you are at work in trials. You're humbling me. You're growing my faith. You're drawing me back to you. You're teaching me to rely upon you, to trust you. And Lord, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Lastly, maybe you take a moment tonight and say, Lord, I can look back at this time and this time and this time and see that I prayed and sure enough you delivered me from the trial but I'm not sure I ever came back and thanked you and so Lord tonight I just want to take a moment and thank you let's take a moment and pray let's bow our heads Father thank you Lord tonight for being a great God a gracious God a merciful God a powerful God a God who loves us enough to correct us Lord a God who loves us enough to be intimately involved in our lives Lord thank you so very much Lord, I don't know what each individual needs to pray tonight, but I, I, I do pray that you just lay that upon our hearts, whatever, whatever we need to do, Lord. Tonight. Maybe it's, again, as simple as thanking you for being a God who works in trials, and thanking you for being a God who answers prayers. Lord, lay upon our hearts now that which you would have us to pray as individuals. I'll give you a moment to pray. Lord, it's an amazing privilege that we have to come to you and to pray. And just continue to marvel at the privilege that we enjoy. Thank you. Lord, thank you for being a God who works to correct us, to grow us, to draw us back to you and to your ways live according to your words. Thank you for being a God who strengthens us as we yield to you to do just that. Lord, thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you. Father, I love you. I do thank you, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look up here, and if you would, please. Thank you for being here tonight. We're going to close tonight with Lord's Supper, and I've spoken to some who are not yet members of the church regarding that, but uh, we're glad to have you with us tonight, um, all of you, all of you. We're glad to have you with us tonight. Um, it is a great privilege, is it not, Brother Gary, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to reflect back upon the cross uh, and to celebrate what has been accomplished at the cross. We thank the Lord tonight for uh, this ordinance which he's given, which is a wonderful picture of the blood that was shed for us, the body that was broken for us, 
that we not experience the consequences of our sin. I'm going to ask the men, Zach and, and Ed, to come at this time, and, and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper.